Daniel chapter 6. So you already know who the character studies are tonight, right? By virtue of the, the uh, Daniel's an interesting, uh, quite interesting book. Uh, starts off, you know, chapter 1. <clears throat> chapter 1, um, you've got uh, Babylon, which, as we know, is uh, symbolic of the, the kingdom of man. We see it again in uh, Revelation, where Babylon is, uh, is, is the kingdom of man coming up against the kingdom of God and doing battle against it, we see in Revelation chapter 18, where it is destroyed and the kingdom that's uh, against the kingdom of man. But here we see it. It's an interesting thing. Babylon representing the kingdom of man and Jerusalem representing the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man has the kingdom of God it, it seems uh, and it besieged here in the very first part of it and uh, Daniel and, and his friends are uh, as uh, Jerusalem is defeated and they are part of the captives there They're taken away into Babylon uh, he is under uh, King Nebuchadnezzar for quite a while there, and we have the different issues with Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, and Daniel interprets them for him, and we have Nebuchadnezzar, um, one of his dreams is uh, recognizing what's going to happen to him when he goes out, when he, he uh, thinks that, the, look, look at this beautiful uh, Babylon that I have built, and you know, I'm so wonderful, and he winds up going crazy and out wild for uh, a period of seven uh, probably about seven years, I think, and just acts like a wild man out there. And, and then he finally comes to his senses and recognizes that uh, God is the one who's sovereign over all uh, in chapter 4. Um, his uh, son um, takes over after Nebuchadnezzar dies, chapter 5, and um, he's not a good guy. There's a handwriting on the wall there, remember? And uh, he winds up being killed. The uh, kingdom of the Medes and the Persians come in and Darius is the uh, king of the Medes and uh, that's kind of where we pick it up in chapter 6 Daniel's relationship with this new kingdom that's come in still kingdom of man uh, it's just a different aspect of the kingdom of man but anyway that's where we that's where we pick it up very familiar uh, very familiar story this is one of the stories that you learn from the earliest periods you know if you if you Got uh, growing up the little picture Bibles and stuff, and this would be one of the stories. And you hear it in Sunday school. You heard it in vacation Bible school. It's one of the stories we uh, we all know. And so uh, Daniel and the lion's den. I think it probably rivals David and Goliath, right? As far as well known. But anyway, I want us to look at this and see some things uh, here that uh, maybe you you haven't noticed before. And if you have, it's review. But uh, Otherwise, uh, see some things about Daniel here that maybe you didn't notice before. So Daniel uh, chapter 6. Uh, do, do I have a, a volunteer that wants to read that for us? Okay. Well, where do you want me to start? One? Verse 1. We're going to read the whole thing. If you want to oh. read half, then we can get somebody else to read half. Okay. So if you want to read through verse 16 and then someone else pick it up at 17. Read All right. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. 
and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set, over the, set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be caught, cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes cannot be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And the stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad, and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought 
and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Years ago, uh, I, I, I haven't seen these bumper stickers recently, but years ago there were bumper stickers that were not that unusual to see on cars. Uh, question authority. Right? And, and I don't think I ever saw one, a car that had question authority and Semper Fi right next to it. So, uh, <laughs> it just didn't happen. Um, it, it seems to me, the, uh, especially in that day, I guess even in today, that's kind of the attitude of, of uh, young people, right? Uh, even our own children, you tell them to do something. Well, why? Why do I need to do that, right? Our responses, because I told you so, right? Yeah, but uh, uh, I'm the authority over you. I should be, should do it anyway. Well, I think since the fall of man uh, in the garden, we've been questioning authority. Did God really say? Did, did He really say that? Did He really mean that? Uh, can you really believe Him that you're going to die? Um, well, I, I want us to consider this passage in light of. Uh, some questions regarding authority here. And um, maybe you'll see some things here, like I said, that you haven't seen before. Um, the first thing I want us to notice about authority is that Daniel's authority and where he gets it will be in verse 3. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. How is he going to be set up over the whole kingdom? The authority is going to be given to him, right? The king is going to give it to him. And so he, the authority that Daniel will have uh, to rule here is authority that is given uh, to him. And um, it is interesting that uh, we see the king himself um, will realize, just as Nebuchadnezzar realized, Nebuchadnezzar realized that only the authority he had had been given to him. If you look in chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, the decision is announced by messengers, the Holy One, the Holy Ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High, he's talking about God, is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes to set over them the lowliest of men. And you see in verse 25, once again, uh, chapter 4, verse 25, Nebuchadnezzar's recognizing where his authority comes from. Um, <laughs> Seven, the second part of verse 25, seven times you will pass by, will 
Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Again, in verse 32, you see the same sort of thing. And, and then again, it's repeated in chapter 5, verse 21, uh, with Belshazzar, where Daniel's reminding him of the, the words of his father. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar recognizes God is sovereign over all the earth. And if he has any authority whatsoever, it had to have been given by him, by one who was higher than him, one who was over him. Now, it's interesting that Daniel's authority here has been given to him. And Daniel's going to recognize that. Well, hold that thought. You remember um, in the New Testament, John chapter... John chapter 19, verses 10 and 11, Jesus and Pilate are speaking here. <clears throat> and Pilate says, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have the power to free you or to crucify you? And here's how Jesus responds to him. You, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. And Jesus telling Pilate, you're... The, the, any authority that you have, any authority that you think here, you have here over my life and death, you would not have it unless God had given it to you. Any authority you have is given to you. Um, Paul in uh, Romans chapter 13, you recall, the first part of the chapter there. Uh, Romans chapter thir 13. Verse 1, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. There is no authority except which God has established. God establishes all the authorities that there, that there are anywhere. Now, Daniel recognizes this. He recognizes that he, is, he has authority and his authority is given by a higher power. He realizes that uh, his authority, will uh, Darius, will be the king, uh, giving him the authority and power over all the kingdom and all the others. And he's, he's been given this authority. Um, Jesus, uh, you recall, uh, after the resurrection in Matthew 28, 18, he says, all authority has been given to me of heaven and earth. The authority is authority that is given to him. And so um, Daniel here, in receiving this authority, he's receiving it from a divine who is over him, not, uh, not in the divine sense of, of, of deity, but and the, uh, the, the ruler over him, Daniel, any authority that he's going to have here is one that is delegated to him. Okay? And he's going to have this authority. Well, what's the response of the people, uh, of the other guys who are there? We, we, they find out that's going to happen to Daniel. Uh, and so what happens in verses 4 and 5? At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of governing, of government affairs. Uh, they, they had the guys, you know, in the cars with the, with the cameras, always taking pictures of. You know, they they had uh, constant surveillance of Daniel, trying to find something that he had done wrong, and so they're trying to find something, um, even being as nitpicky as they can. But they were unable to do so. It says. They could find no corruption in, in, in him at all. He was trustworthy uh, and neither corrupt nor negligent. They were jealous of Daniel's, uh, they were jealous of, of this authority that's going to be given to Daniel, right? They didn't like it. And so they're like, why should you have any say so over, over us? 
uh, what gives you the right to tell me what to do. Um, in the New Testament, it's interesting here that authority has been given uh, to Jesus from the Father. In uh, Matthew chapter 21, Jesus is confronted by some of the religious leaders. And um, they've been hearing him teach and seeing some of the, the things that he's done. And they're concerned about it. If Jesus would have uh, stepped in line with them and gone and done everything that they said he should be doing, there wouldn't have been an issue here. But they see Jesus with this authority different than theirs. And they're not liking it. And so verse 23 here, Jesus entered the temple courts. And while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him and said, By what authority are you doing these things? You don't have our authority to do this. How, how come are you taking this on yourself? By what authority are you saying these things? And so we see a bit of jealousy in them as well. What are they going to do uh, with this authority of Jesus? We're going to get to that in just just a little bit here, but we, we see uh, so many people um, jealous over the authority that God might give to different ones. And, and certainly here in Daniel chapter 6, he is, Daniel's been given this authority. There are people who are jealous against him, and so they're going to try to find a way to trap him, okay? and they can't, find, they can't find anything he's done wrong. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's kind of kind of sounds uh, like our our government today, but this is against one of God's uh, anointed here, and so they don't like it. They don't like the, the authority that Daniel has been given, and they're going to reject that, and they're going to figure out a way to plot against his authority. We see that, and we saw it in verses four and five, and they can't. They can't find anything that he's done, so they figure we got to do something against his religion and his devotion to his God. And so they set up the plan. You know where it is, verses 6 and following here. They're going to go to Darius and say, anyone who prays anyone but you over the next 30 days, they have to be thrown to the lions. They know that Daniel prays. They've been watching him pretty close. know that he is religious about his praying and that he's going to continue to do it. And so they, they, they plot this way to, to get him. And they think that, that this, this will do it. This will do it. We can get rid of him and the authority that he has over us. Back to the New Testament. When uh, in, in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus has been given this authority. The people who are there really don't like it. And so what, what do they do? Uh, Matthew 26, uh, verse 4. During the feast, they said, uh, 26, verse 4. But, oh, verse 4 here. <laughs> I was reading verse 5. And, and they plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and to kill him. Beginning to see some connections here. The authority that Daniel has, the other leaders there, they despise it and they're going to try to find a way to get him and, and plot against him and even design a way to do it. Well, in Matthew uh, 26, verses 59 and 60, 
the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false witness, uh, for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they did not find any, uh, though many false witnesses came forward. What are they doing? They're plotting against the authority that Jesus had. We don't like your authority over us. We're going to find a way to do away with you, and we'll be done with it. And we can go on pretending that uh, we have the authority now. And that seems to be what's going on with Daniel here, um, that they're plotting uh, against uh, Daniel and the authority that he's been given. Now, what about Daniel and his response to authority? He knows that authority is not ultimately his, but that the authority that he has comes from God and that God has authority over him. So we look in Daniel 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel learned about the decree, uh, that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed to give thanks to God just as he had done before. What's Daniel doing? He's saying there is a higher authority than Darius, higher authority than any of these others. Am I going to, am I going to uh, be concerned about uh, you know, my life uh, possibly here? Or am I going to continue to be obedient to the Lord? Um, we may think about those who come to get Daniel, and, and he may be uh, trying to back up at the time, but I don't, I don't think he was. There's a, one commentator said the real uh, den of lions was Daniel's bedroom. The great battle took place there, not in the lion's den, but at the open window looking towards God, saying, well, you be obedient. Will you continue to do what is right? And, and Daniel says, well, yeah, I have to, because I really know where the highest authority is, and I have to be obedient to it and do what is right there. Well, what about Christ? When, uh, when he's confronted with what's before him, you know, first of all, he's confronted in the temptation in the wilderness with Satan. And the first uh, temptation turned the stone into bread and then jumped down off the steeple and see if God is really faithful to his word and send his angels to take care of you. And then finally, it's the temptation. He takes him up to the high place and says, all these kingdoms are yours. Or all these kingdoms are mine. All these things bow to me and I'll give them to you. What is Satan saying? He's saying you're about to go through something that is very tough. Something that you are looking The author of Hebrews says Jesus looked at the cross and despised the shame. Satan must have known that about Christ. And he's saying, I know that uh, this is the way that God has said you'll get it, but I've got a better way, an easier way, a way you can escape. And you just don't have to be obedient here. What does Jesus do? No, depart from me, Satan worship God and him only. And so here's Daniel in, in a way of looking forward to the one who's coming. And here in his bedroom, there must have been the temptation to say, what do I do? Do I get out of this an easier way? Or do I continue to be faithful to the one who's an authority over me? And Daniel chooses to do what is right, just as Christ would do later on. Now, <clears throat> Um, as they come, you're going to notice some things about this, and this is where I first picked this up, um, the, the, these connections here. Um, in verse 17, 
as Daniel continues to be obedient to uh, God and the authority that he has over him, what is, what is the result of it? What has to happen here? Well, a stone is brought and placed over the mouth of the den. Does that sound familiar at all? Maybe. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring. Does that sound familiar? As a result of Daniel's being obedient and continuing to be obedient, he is thrown into the place of death. A stone is rolled over it, and it's sealed with the king's signet ring, right? And uh, so anyway, we go on here. Uh, Daniel, um, Daniel goes on here uh, in verse uh, 22 when they're talking about uh, the king comes to him in the morning and says, Is your God able to save you? And he says, Yeah, he came and shut the mouth of the, lion, mouth of the mouths of the lions, and they haven't hurt me because uh, I was found innocent in, uh, in his sight, talking about God, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, O king. So here's Daniel in this lion's den, in this place of death, but he's not dying. Why is he not dying? He says, Because I'm innocent. Go all the way back to you know the beginning and uh, in Genesis, and God says you're not to eat from any uh, from, from you're not to eat the fruit from this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because when you eat from it, you will die. What is the what is the penalty for being disobedient, for being um, guilty of uh, not uh, following God's direction? For it was death, right? And Daniel here says. I didn't die here because I'm an innocent man. All this, right? Fast forward to the New Testament here for a minute. Christ uh, is facing the same uh, sort of thing here, recognizing the authority of God and being obedient to God. And just because of this, that those who despise the authority of God have said, we're going to put you to death as a result of this authority that you've been given. We don't want to follow you, so we're going to put you to death. We'll be done with you. And here they take truly the one true innocent man of all time, and when he gets up on the cross, he doesn't die, right? Because he's innocent. No, he dies. Yes, he dies. Daniel doesn't die because he is innocent, but Christ dies. Even though he was an innocent man, how does he die? Our sins. Because our sins. He is taking our sins upon himself. And so when he is uh, hung on the cross, he is, takes the guilt of our sins upon himself and experiences the wrath of God. And uh, God would look at him and say, guilty. in order that we might be innocent. It's interesting here in this story of Daniel uh, where um, <clears throat> Daniel is delivered uh, from death because uh, of his innocence, but <clears throat> what happens when the king gets him out? Uh, the king commanded, uh, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the den of lives uh, with their uh, wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed them. 
crushed all their bones. The guilty were the ones who were put to death here. The innocent is the one who saved. Christ comes and he, he takes our guilt upon himself. And he experiences, he experiences the death and he's put into a tomb uh, where the rock is rolled to the opening and it's sealed with the sealed ring of the king. Um, maybe, maybe sometimes it's okay to question people's authority um, when, when they maybe shouldn't have it or they're making bad decisions or whatever but when it comes to God uh, we should never question his authority we might not always understand what he's doing I don't know that Daniel understood what was going on when they were carrying him off to the lion's den to being eaten and he goes I didn't do this I mean it's I mean it's of everything you know <clears throat> and maybe we we sometimes look at that but it's, it's like I don't know if you ever watched a painter doing his painting all the different colors and they they start out up here and they do a little something and you, you can't you know, what in the world is he drawing and he goes he goes on and so and it's it's you know it's a 30-minute drawing he's doing up here, and you're not seeing it for the last two minutes. And you go, wow, that's a man's face. You know, look at all the details and everything. It's so perfect there. Um, we don't always understand what God is doing, but uh, as we look at his authority over us, we can say, no, I, need to, I need to be obedient to it. They're, the, the, they're carrying Daniel off to the lion's den, but he accepted that the God who had given him a little authority was still in control of that situation. He could be trusted. I don't know if he knew that in this situation he was kind of looking forward to one who would come and would not be spared his life but die so that he could actually take uh, our sins upon himself. Um, so as we look at life and the situations that are there in our life and we go, God, what are you doing? Maybe I need to go a different way with this. <laughs> um, we don't. We continue to trust in him and follow his direction uh, in our lives. Hopefully, as we look at Daniel here in his life, we see that it truly he is pointing us forward to Jesus, uh, the one who would come and give his life for us so that uh, we could be forgiven and stand uh, truly innocent before the judge of all the universe. Okay, next week I think we're going to uh, talk about another uh, individual. I, the, the plan at this point, unless it gets changed during the week, um, will be to talk about Jonah. And uh, so we're going to see hopefully some kind of familiar stuff with Jonah in the story of, uh, uh, that is there. So um, maybe looking at Jonah in a little bit different light than you have before and hopefully look, seeing how it points us to Jesus as well. Okay, let me pray.